0: Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts
1: about movies and nostalgia, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking. I'm Kara Gallo-Regan, and with me is my co-host, Jordan Pollen clark Hi! And today we are continuing Adam Sandler month by talking about The Wedding Singer from 1998 and Punch Drunk Love, which was from... not. Yeah, That was from 2002 <laughs> I almost I almost got through this without messing it up Almost? It's been 30 <laughs> seconds
0: <laughs> oh. We have a lot more to get through I have bad news for you
1: Oh boy Well, uh, listeners, if you missed it We covered Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore In our last episode So you can go check those out
0: um, And these And you should Because if you haven't seen Billy Madison since you were small, it's a different movie than you remember, (laughs) kind of. Like, some yes and some no. And it's actually
1: pretty good. Mm, Which doesn't always happen here. Anyway. um, So, Jordan, I guess we'll start with... What will we start with? (laughs) We Well, well, we
0: should... Do them in order. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, so that means we'd start with the wedding singer. Yes. Um, which is a very charming movie. Oh, the charmingest. It's just I was I messaged Kara while I was watching it yesterday, and I was like, "Wow, the only other movie that I can think of
1: that's this charming is Waitress." And I added that I find music and lyrics, which also stars Drew Barrymore. To be as equally as charming as this one, yep, agree that perhaps more. But this and music and lyrics are like some of my favorite rom-coms. It's just so good.
0: Yeah, the we- so the wedding singer is about a wedding singer
1: mm-hmm.
0: played by Adam Sandler, whos who. Is, who- was once in a rock band and kind of like turned to wedding singing so he can make some money and that's become his primary career he's not cool anymore we get the impression that once he was cool and now he's not but he's really good at his job Mm -hmm. um he has a really good sense for um not just entertaining people but also just a good sense for people and like talking to them at the weddings and like helping them out and like just being like a fun guy um and he's super toned down as far as Adam Sandler goes yeah. which i think is why this movie is so good yeah he only
1: yells two times mm-hmm. in the whole movie and it movie. takes like a build up to get there it's not and, his immediate and, reaction
0: no and one of them is legitimately funny yeah um so, wedding singer. He's engaged to a woman uh, who eventually breaks. up Well, she doesn't even break <laughs> off the engagement. She just doesn't show up at the wedding. Ooh. Um, Linda doesn't show up at their wedding. His name is Robbie. Um, and during all this, he meets um, Julia, played by Drew Barrymore, who is a waitress. Um, at the catering at the, waitress. Yeah, where uh, where he does weddings, um, and so they are like hanging out. She's also engaged to a guy named Glenn. This, this is, is the only movie we've watched where I know everybody's name. <laughs> but I, I think they also say each other's names a lot. This yeah. the dialogue in this is not the way real people talk to each other at all. <laughs> um, but it works; it's fine. Um, and yeah, and Glenn's a dick, but and, he's rich. Oh, and this is in the '80s. We didn't say that. This mm-hmm. takes place mm-hmm. in like nineteen eighty-five. Okay. Uh, so the everyone has
1: terrible hair. And terrible, terrible hair. Clothes, Are you kidding? But... I made a note that the <laughs> <laughs> the hair and makeup in this is so good. Visually, this is such a strong, strong, strong movie, and I l- and love it that works, about though. it. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. They really nail it. Super um,
0: colorful, like over the top. Mm-hmm.
1: But also like. Well, if I can, for just a moment, I'd like to shine a little spotlight on Mona May, the one and only Mona May costume designer extraordinaire. Do you know what she also did costumes for, Jordan?
0: I should know. Clueless?
1: Yes. Good job. And like a bunch (laughs) of other stuff. But obviously an icon. You know what? This has the
0: same aesthetic as Clueless, Mm -hmm. except this was the 80s and Clueless was the 90s. Yeah,
1: kind of. But it's the same. Yeah, more or less. But, like, the thing that I really was enjoying about it this time when I was watching it um, earlier today is how, like, how good all the colors are. They're really good. They're so good. And, like, they could have just made the weddings, like, one wedding after another and, like, kind of have them all be kind of bland and the same. But they have such, like, a distinct color like color change and visual style. All of the parties do have their own like color palette. It's great. I love it. Yeah. That that alone um, makes me like just love this movie so much.
0: Yeah. You can tell that yeah, it was like you can tell there is a lot of like care and attention put to that. Mm-hmm. Uh okay, so And also it has an incredible soundtrack. Yes. And then the music is like non stop. But hold on, let me do the rest of the plot sure. first because we're almost there you can see from the beginning of the movie that obviously Robbie and Julia are gonna get together and then they do because how As, could you not fall in love with Drew Barrymore I know well it's just that a part to me that's part of what makes this movie so charming is that like there really isn't very or like there is conflict because mm-hmm. obviously it takes the them the whole movie to get together but like you know they're going to like you know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and it's like a it's a very it's a nice journey on the way there It is. it really is a nice journey and it's funny and it's sweet it legitimately was funny and i also cried
1: oh i cried so much when i also laugh cried (laughs) a bunch of times
0: uh, yeah, and the 80s music is, like, nonstop. stop
1: Yeah, I mean, this came out at, like, the exact perfect time. I was a budding teen goth, which, like, makes you just predisposed to love 80s music anyway. Um, yeah, I love this soundtrack so much.
0: The bit where the, um singer not the not adam sandler the other guy in the band just only sings the one song oh yeah
1: played Uh, by alexis arquette who is wonderful on this yeah and and has a killer trombone solo yeah 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 yeah. um and there's two original songs in it too Mm -hmm. oh my god oh god the one on the plane i mean talk about like sobbing i (laughs) sob every time
0: yeah, definitely. And then I cried during the other, the other one was when I Laugh Cried. Because yeah. it's so funny. The first time he yells the chorus in the other
1: song. Yeah. And he intros it by saying, like, uh, I just want to warn you. I was listening to The Cure a lot when I wrote this. So I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it has. Um, so Adam Sandler didn't write this. Or he doesn't have a writing credit on it um The other guy does Tim Hurley. is that his name? Yep, something like that. He um he writes most of Adam Sandler's movies with him. Um, so he has the main writing credit on this, and that makes me think that some like because because some of the like surreal stuff that we saw in Billy Madison is in this also.
1: Mm, um, like what? Like when
0: the old lady puts the meatballs in his hand. Oh, I don't.
1: <laughs> I I don't know. That's not surreal to me. That's just, like, an Italian grandma. I don't know. No. Oh, I thought it was, like, super, like, weird and surreal. Yeah. And she makes him eat them. I know. I love that woman. Listen, another side note. Um, When I was looking at the IMDb for The Wedding Singer, I, like, clicked on, on her profile because I... She's, like, one of my favorite parts of this movie. I think she's so wonderful. Her name is Ellen Albertini Dow, and I I was reading all about her. She has this incredible life. Um, She, like, started a uh, mime troupe and was a mime for, like, 20 years, and she also, like, taught theater um at a college in California for several decades and then when she retired from doing that she went to film school and then like started this whole new career at the age of like 67 as a character actress is that not amazing also yeah. she went to cornell before any of that which is crazy
0: in my mind, she was the same person as the grandma from Happy Gilmore. Oh, I and immediately I was for like, sure oh, never thought mind. That was, She's That not. was true uh, <laughs> yep. when we
1: were watching Happy Gilmore, and then I was like, oh, no, different lady, but like definitely kind of a, a similar vibe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, she has a great rap scene.
1: Which she rapped herself, by the way. Or she did. Um, oh, but you were talking about how. Uh, the surreal stuff in the script, and that Adam Sandler was uh, not credited as a writer. However, he did do some uncredited work on the script, as did Carrie Fisher and Judd Apatow.
0: Oh, that's fun. hmm. Yeah, I can't, now I can't, I didn't take notes. I'm not good at taking notes when I watch these anymore because <laughs> I just watch them. Kind yeah. Of. Um, can't remember what else i thought was surreal. i mean the whole like thing at the end where billy idol is on the plane oh, is kind of that. surreal and weird <laughs> yeah um billy idol's in this movie
1: yes he is and originally it was going to be david lee roth and oh, as much as i sense. would have there's a
0: lot of van halen references loved
1: to see that i also love billy idol in this because he's also he's whatever age he was in 1998 <laughs> <laughs> He's not young. No, He's not, not at how all. How old
0: he was in the eighties? Yeah. This movie would have been right around the time that my dad was working for Billy Idol.
1: Really? In real
0: life. Yeah. How exciting. Um. Yeah, I was surprised that I liked this. I'm not. I think it's just so wonderful. And her name is Julie. Julie. Er, like the part where she's in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And she's. Starts saying her that her name will be Julia, Julia. Goulia, Goulia. Yeah, and she just starts
1: crying because <laughs> it's the worst. Oh my god.
0: Um, and Christine Taylor is great in this. Oh, she is excellent in this. She is like a slut who's
1: owning it. It's mm-hmm. like very cool. Yeah, and um, this was the first time that I realized that the the chef that works for the catering company at the wedding venue where they all work is mm-hmm. Robert Smigel. Who is the only person that has been in all four of these movies. What else was he? He is, um, like, Adam Sandler's brother-in-law in Punch Drunk Love. He's married to yeah. uh, one of the seven sisters. He's, is he, he's the du- the dentist. Yeah. And then in Happy Gilmore, he's in that doing something. <laughs> <laughs> And then he's in probably Billy like Madison, some guy like yelling
0: in the crowd or something.
1: Yeah, no, he has like actual parts. And I was really yeah, I was surprised to see him there. I once sold to him a little remote, a, a Cars branded. Remember that movie Cars? Yes. A Cars branded remote control car that you could control with an iPhone. Whoa! And I did not recognize him until I swiped his credit card, and then was like, oh. Oh, yeah. You're that guy. Um... Oh, also, the guy who plays Adam Sandler's brother in The Wedding Singer, do you recognize him from anything? His He has a brother? Yeah, the limo driver in The Wedding oh, Singer.
0: Oh, I thought that was his friend. Oh, Is that his brother? You
1: know, he's I have in, no idea. He's <laughs> in
0: every single Adam
1: Sandler movie. Yeah, but he actually is the guy that plays... Uh, the caddy in Happy Gilmore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was surprised to, to realize that because he looks so different.
0: Yeah, and he looks different in this than he does in anything else mm-hmm. also. I had to look it up to make sure that it was him.
1: Yeah. Um, I, what? Oh, I was just going to say that they have uh, something that has come up a few times on the show especially since we've been doing these like male comedian movies is um, like moments of intimacy, like platonic intimacy between two men that we don't always get to see on screen. And the Mm -hmm. two of them have a really uh, tender moment um, in Robbie's basement apartment in his bed where they talk about laundry detergent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do. That's what, like, this This movie is Adam Sandler just being, like, kind of even-keeled and, like, sweet mm-hmm. to everyone.
1: Yeah, it's got a lot of heart. It's really nice. Which is interesting, because that's his last name in the movie. It's Robbie Hart. Although I think spelled yeah. differently. I think but.
0: that was probably on purpose, though.
1: Perhaps. Um, So, we mentioned the colors before, but there are... Like, hit the color of like his despair in this movie is like dark red. Mm -hmm. Um, he's in this dark red T-shirt after he gets dumped. There's even this amazing shot where he's like at the wedding. He's standing up at the altar, and when his sister is telling him that Linda's not coming, like the it's a close-up of him and in the like from the side like in profile and then the background are these beautiful blue hydrangea and wisteria and then the camera kind of like pans around to the front of his face so that the background is like dark red brick I
0: mm-hmm. thought that was
1: pretty brilliant and then he's in a dark red shirt after that and like the wedding that he does after that is all dark red um, and I th- thought that was a really interesting choice because like usually somebody would choose like a blue I think Mm -hmm. for that and I appreciated it there's this really great scene where he's in his brother's kitchen which is this like incredible all turquoise kitchen Um, but they have these dark red blinds and like one of the windows the blinds are open and then the window that Robbie is sitting in front of they're closed so you see the red and he's in the red shirt and it just you know, these are the things that make me very happy in movies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, they're also the things that make it a well-made movie. Whether mm-hmm. or not you are a person who like notices things like that consciously, like, yeah. You know. I saw The Wedding Singer on Broadway when it was on Broadway. Oh yeah, tell me about that. I don't remember it at all. I mean like a little bit like it had the same like uh isn't that a cool way to start a story is to be like here's the thing that happened I don't know anything about it that's the whole story uh it had the same aesthetic like as far as like colors and like the 80s style and everything Mm -hmm. which is much more annoying I think on a stage than it is in this movie interesting um Plus, then they're singing a lot on top of it, which I don't have a ton of patience for. <laughs> yeah. But Stephen Lynch was in it. Did you like Stephen Lynch? Who's he? He was, um,
1: I mean, he probably still is a
0: uh Oh, he's like a music musician comedian. comedian. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, don't, I, I honestly can't tell you. I don't remember, um, but
0: probably. I'm sure a lot of his stuff doesn't hold up because it's too offensive now. It's mm-hmm. like stuff that you're like, oh, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. I think it was maybe a little too much of that kind of humor, if I'm remembering it correctly. Mm-hmm. But he was like, you know, he's handsome and has like this gorgeous voice and he's just like singing filth. Yeah. So he was actually, I think, probably a good fit for this role on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. So it was fun.
1: This was actually, so I watched these backwards. I watched Punch Drunk Love first and then I watched wedding singer and this was such a joy to watch after punch drunk love which is so kind of bleak and stark this one like... is so lush and like there's so many flowers in it and it's so colorful and and fun it was really nice uh nice order to watch yeah. them in
0: punch drunk love is like i did it in the other order mm. and then i watched him host saturday night live mm. from last night and yeah, punch on glove is just like an exercise in how uncomfortable a film can make you.
1: Yeah, um, I thought, like I was like, why am I watching this? Why would anyone keep watching this? I feel like it's it's a uh, anti rom com. Like it's taking all of the conventions of romantic comedies and then just kind. I don't know, necessarily, doing the opposite, but, like, making the main character as unlikable as humanly Mm -hmm. possible, and even, like, the music and the lighting is all, like, working against you, whereas...
0: Oh, definitely everything in this movie worked against the audience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Except for the the Hawaii
1: segment, yeah, which I think is a little bit more classic, but, um... Yeah, I guess we can talk about Punch Drunk Love now. I had some more things about uh, The Wedding Singer, but we could definitely move on because they're mostly color-related. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, do you want to pick, like, your top two? Okay, hang on. Let me let me zoom through these and see if I can pick something else. Oh, so much good purple eyeshadow. Um, oh, they have cute... Uh, Like ketchup and mustard cars They have the same car But one's yellow and one's red I don't know if you (laughs) noticed that It makes me happy Um, Oh there's so many good flowers In this movie And then the flowers that Glenn uh, Brings Julia are so shitty It's this like elaborate uh, Red rose bouquet But they're wilted And like it's falling apart And I had never picked up on that before I thought that was really (laughs) interesting um Oh, John lovitz. John lovitz is is in the wedding singer and he's
0: John lovitz is in this. So great. Oh, that's another moment that was very surreal yes. where he where he's watching them for too <laughs> long after he
1: is supposed to have left the room. He's losing his mind. That was funny. And I'm reaping all the benefits. Um he is wearing this incredible costume. It's this black glitter collared button down shirt which of course is unbuttoned to show his chest hair and then on top of that is like this gorgeous green satin brocade rose jacket thing that was really great and I loved it a lot um oh I think this was uh when I learned what the mile high club was was when I okay, saw this yeah. movie for the first time as um, did the older woman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who I love that lady. She's so good. <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing that I'll say is that um, when Robbie and Julia do finally get married, she is carrying a bouquet of daisies, and daisies are Drew Barrymore's favorite flower in real life. Oh, yeah. Did you already know that, or you know that now? I like was I was vaguely aware of that because I think. Um, Her production company Like uses a daisy in the logo Mm
0: -hmm. Okay Yeah. Oh you know who else is in this Um, The woman who plays Monica's mom On Friends plays Julia's mom
1: Oh yeah And she's
0: like the perfect Mm -hmm. Judgmental mom
1: And not even just judgmental Just like dismissive Like (laughs) Totally just like eh. Yeah she is very good in this Um oh Uh, you know who they almost cast as Glenn? Um, hold on, I want to guess. Because, well, the
0: guy that they did cast, he's not really, do we know him?
1: I don't think so. I mean, he's been in things, but he's not, like, a big name. Do you know who would have been good as Glenn? He's such a perfect asshole, though. Who?
0: But, um, if he was a little younger, is the guy who plays Shooter McGavin?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same, similar character type. I don't know the answer. Jim Carrey. Oh no! (laughs) Really? Because I read that before I rewatched the movie, and then like watching it with that knowledge, I was like, okay. I mean, it would be slightly different. It would be very different, obviously. But like, I could, I could see him make some choices there. Yeah,
0: like maybe too many choices, though. Like, yeah. I think part of the reason the Glenn character works is that he's largely, like, invisible. And when he's there, you're just like, oh, dude, you're the worst.
1: Yeah. And it's, like, very, like, grounded, which I don't know if Jim Carrey necessarily yeah. would be. Although, I did just watch uh, The Bad Batch the other day. And he is in that, like, almost completely unrecognizable. Hmm. Cause he plays I don't know what this... that is. It's, um... Anna Lily Amanpour, she made that uh, Iranian vampire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, oh, I know what it's called. His name, I can't uh, remember. I but don't um, it's this movie about like um, a girl in this dystopian post United States. I don't know. She gets like cast out into the desert and all of the bad people in society, the bad batch have been cast out into the desert. So they're all like fending for themselves. And there are some societies that have popped up and she gets like captured by cannibals and they amputate a few of her limbs, which was a interesting plot point. Um, But then she like escapes and then winds up in this other place where Keanu Reeves is um, this like charismatic cult leader. And I want a whole movie about that, but um Yeah, and then Jim Carrey is just living by himself in the desert and, like, doesn't speak, which I think was why I didn't recognize him, because, like, you don't hear his voice, but he's... That's interesting. It was a good movie. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we established that he's a good actor, so... Mm -hmm. Maybe he could have turned it off for this.
1: But the IMDb uh, trivia point about that was that if Carrey had accepted the role... This would be the only time he and Adam Sandler would co-star in a film together. But, like, that's a weird non-trivia.
0: Yeah, I mean, like... They just have never been in a movie never together. In movies <laughs> together. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, okay. Now we can talk about Punch Drunk Love, uh, which came out in, what did I say, 2002? Mm-hmm. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, the who first I realized... movie made
0: after Magnolia.
1: Yes, and before... There Will Be Blood. Um, And I realized while watching this that maybe I hate Paul Thomas Anderson. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
0: I love Magnolia, and I actually do like There Will Be Blood, but aside
1: from that,
0: not so much.
1: I don't know. I I was trying to figure out why, and there's a few reasons. One, I have listened to far too much Fiona Apple music over the course of my life to not be at least somewhat suspicious of him they dated for a while apparently their breakup wasn't great maybe some of the songs are about him
0: yeah but he's married to maya rudolph who is a goddess
1: so yeah anyway uh the men that he chooses to make movies about i think says a lot about him and i'd find that questionable uh because they're all horrible <laughs> they're all horrible men uh and I forget what the third thing was. But those combine enough to make me like not... Susp- I, I guess suspicious is a good word. Not necessarily that I hate him, but I am mm-hmm. suspicious of him. Though I did just watch the fan... Uh, I don't think there's a, the in the title Phantom Thread. Uh, I liked that a lot. But the guy that's in that is a real dick too. <laughs> so, I don't know. Oh.
0: I don't know. I feel like there's this thing that exists where, like, in order for something to be, like, art, it has to be dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think he very much subscribes to that. Yeah. Um, I don't know that
1: that's necessarily true, but... There was something else, and it just came back to my brain for, like, a flash of a moment and then disappeared again. And that's really frustrating. Oh, 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 here it is. Here it is. Okay. Okay. So we talked a lot about Sofia Coppola and a frequent critique of her work being that she's kind of keeps making the same movie over and over again. They're about these like weird, lonely women. And so maybe she's just making these frivolous uh, biographical like autobiographical movies, like secretly, all of these movies are actually about her. And then I was thinking about Paul Thomas Anderson, and I'm like, mm, maybe the same thing is true. And what she gets criticized for, he gets celebrated for. Mm. A, a hypothesis. It could be true. It could be true. Who knows?
0: Well, so I'm gonna say the plot of Punch Drunk Love because we didn't yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sandler plays. Now I definitely don't know anybody's name. (laughs) Plays a guy who is Um, very socially weird, awkward, doesn't have friends, doesn't really date. He sells novelty plungers. Yeah. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and I guess it's his company.
0: Yeah, him and Luis Guzman sell novelty plungers at this company, and. Um, he has seven sisters who are really mean to him. Um, yeah, they're fucking terrible. They're really mean <laughs> to him. Like, instantly. They're nasty to him in this movie. And one but of Marilyn them... But Marilyn Reichkope is one of them. Oh, she's... Oh, yeah, she is. I, yeah. Uh, And she tries or wants to set him up with a woman that she works with which he's really stressed out by um but eventually she does and they instantly fall in love and oh and then there's two other parts of the plot this movie has three part three like plot points and like that's it that's the whole movie and they all like intersect together so there's that he's like dating this woman and then also he's um he's I'm not gonna explain this well. He's buying a lot of pudding,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which um, is—we is, have been haunted by pudding cups. I mean, this is like the third episode oh, in a row that we're talking about that's pudding
0: cups. True. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a really—is really pudding month? <laughs> um,
1: Forget Adam Sandler. Oh, man,
0: I want to make pudding from a box now that we're talking about it again. Mm. Um, so he's buying a lot of pudding because he has found a loophole, or what he believes to be a loophole in a contest. I can't remember the brand of food. Can you? Healthy Choice. Healthy Choice um, is like running a contest where if you like buy a certain number of products, you get um, credit. Nope, you get airline miles um, with American Airlines. They work a lot of products into this movie secretly. Yeah. There's, I think there's. There's a reference to another product also. But anyway. So he's buying a lot of pudding. And people keep asking him about it. And then the third part is that he... Before he meets this woman, he calls a sex line, a phone
1: sex line, and they... Because... um, he really needs a therapist, but doesn't know how to get to one. Right. Like, he we'll doesn't even call part, for sex.
0: He's just like, I need somebody to talk movie. to. Yeah, yeah. That's my main complaint about the movie, is that what he actually needs, besides any of this, is a therapist, and he doesn't get one, and whatever. But well, I want to talk about that more in a second. But so he calls a phone text line voiced by Karen Kilgariff.
1: Oh, really? Uh, I didn't realize yeah, that.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's her. <laughs> um. And... They, um, like, get his credit card and, like, social security number and, like, address and start, like, trying to steal his money. And they start, like, coming after him physically. Um, And so then eventually he has to, like, explain this to this woman because they're in this car accident. And... And also,
1: at the beginning of the movie, he finds a vintage harmonica. What's harmonium? On the street and yeah. then takes it, and then there's no payoff there. It's no, just absolutely in the not. movie. But do you know
0: what? John Bryan did yes. this score mm-hmm. largely on a harmonium, yes. which I didn't know what that was until today.
1: Oh, yeah. He uses those kinds of keyboards in, in most of his like, but weird, I think, bonky But scores. No, but I
0: think this is the first time that he worked with one on such a oh, wide interesting. scale. I mm. might be making that up, but maybe I also read that and it stuck in my brain. Um, That was the only thing... I'm glad I read that before I watched it because otherwise, yeah, that dumb thing doesn't pay off at all. It, <laughs> it falls out of a car. Was,
1: wait, right? Like, he sees a car accident. I, I have no fucking this. idea what happens in that <laughs> opening scene because, yeah, it seems like a car flips over, but then also there's a car driving... Because it seems like a car is driving by and they just throw it out Yeah, but the, the car also flips
0: over. Is first. that the
1: same car? I don't know. That's a there you question, go. I that's think. all you really need to know and, about the movie. Oh,
0: here's the other thing you need to know, because everyone talks about it all the time, is he started wearing a suit. And he wears the same suit mm-hmm. every day.
1: Mm-hmm. And it is a non-standard blue. I it's mean, a that's... nice suit.
0: I think he looks nice. Yeah, it's a nice blue But color. his sisters
1: keep like ragging on him about it. And the people he works with. Although yeah. Luis Guzman starts dressing up too, I noticed <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. I love him. He's not in this movie enough.
0: Here's where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't take this movie." But there's like, it's there's a lot here. Like, I'm not. It's not. I don't want to call it a bad yeah, movie. Listen, it's just not fun to watch. Uh,
1: many like top tier directors consider this one of their favorite films. People love this movie. But okay, I'm starting so- to think. Maybe there is no reason to.
0: Here's here's where I was like, I this is so hard to watch is when he's he's standing in his office, which is like is has a door, but it's glass, so you can see what's happening on the outside. And his sister has just come in with this woman who's trying to date him, and she's like standing in his office. And his phone is ringing, and the um phone sex people are calling him to try to threaten him. And at the same time, um like a bunch of shit happens outside the window right behind him do you know what part i'm talking about yeah
1: somebody Uh, like drives a forklift into something
0: yeah like in and like everything falls down and he like tries really hard not to react at all to it because (laughs) there's so many other things happening oh god so so here's the thing i
1: think um this character uh definitely exhibits some characteristics of a person who might be on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not so much that he's like trying not to react i think he like has a hard time processing what's going on and also has a hard time with like emotional regulation which is why like sometimes he doesn't react at all and then other times he breaks a glass door you know what i mean okay Um, so
0: here's it's, that brings us to my main problem right. with this movie, which is just like a thing that happens in movies a lot. Yeah. Which is that people who need therapists and medication, um, go find a lot of other things, and mm-hmm. they say that that solved
1: their problems, but it didn't. Right. And but I we don't. We don't get it. to see what happens after the credits roll. No, but
0: I just hate that. Like, like this movie. And these aren't the right words for this, but like this movie has a happy ending. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, like more like as happy as this movie is gonna get, yeah.
0: Yeah, like he admits the truth. He gets together with the woman. He gets his airline miles. Um, but Which like, uh, was
1: an actual scam that a guy, or not a scam. He like figured out that this brand was doing this marketing tactic. Figured out that there was this loophole where the monetary value of the reward so greatly outweighed the monetary value of the food that he did that and this is why brands don't really do that anymore so that was that part Um, of it was actually a true story or based on a true story uh, sorry i derailed you no no no. i think that's
0: interesting and it's like it's such a funny detail that like of course that was real Mm -hmm. of course that's real (laughs) um yeah, I just don't like when people in movies are like, cool, we're in love, it solved all of our problems, instead yeah. of being like, actually, I don't think we should date, I
1: think you need a therapist first, this isn't going to work,
0: <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. It's just like,
0: it happens so much, it makes me crazy.
1: Yeah. And we also, I mean, I think the the thing we're supposed to conclude is like, they're both kooky and weird, and yeah, that's obviously why they're into each also. other. But like, we don't get enough of her, I don't think. Like, no, apparently, we don't really know her. She is following him in the grocery store before we even meet her, but she's like, I've read this after the fact, I didn't notice her there, but there's this, a person in red who's, like, following him in the grocery store when he's trying to figure out what the lowest-priced item that he can buy to maximize.
0: Oh, and that's when he finds the
1: pudding. Yeah, but apparently she's, like, following him the whole time.
0: Well, that would go
1: with her story. hmm I don't know. I just, I would have liked it if she was in this more, or like, was an active participant in this story more instead of mm-hmm. just like things happening to her. Yeah. But I guess this whole movie is just things happening to people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe that's what's so painful about it to watch. It's like, it's just watching people not be able to take any kind of control over anything that's happening to them
1: which is how most people function in the world I mean that's I don't know like maybe this is just too much like real life and that's why I don't like it
0: well I wouldn't go maybe that far but but yeah like it's too if these were real people and I'm sure real people like this do exist it's too too upsetting to think that real people like this exist (laughs) Like, I just, it's just, yeah, I don't like it.
1: Well, um, back to the, the score. John Bryan actually composed music for the film while filming was taking place, which is, like, not something that usually happens. So he was actually, like, on set experimenting with tones and sounds, making particular note of what uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was responding to. And so his score would then be played on set, like, helping to influence Mm. the tone of the film. But also, he and Marilyn Reischkopf, like, were dating for a long time and broke up right before this movie started. Oh, no. So he uh, sometimes had to spend, like, eight hours a day playing music while watching her. (laughs) That's stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Uh think this
0: character like the character that Adam Sandler plays in this is like if you took like all of his other characters not all of them but you know like the Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore types and took away all of their power mm-hmm. and courage and privilege yeah. you're left with this person he's like he has a lot in common with those characters he just doesn't have any of the privilege or
1: like brashness of right them. or confidence
0: yeah because then my next question is like, is Adam Sandler a good actor, or is he just always doing the same thing? A I think the bit Wedding
1: Singer proves that he he has like pretty tremendous range. I think he really does have like incredible range because of just what he does in the Wedding Singer alone. Um, but also, I watched. Um, something that just came out, like, a couple years ago called The Meyerowitz Stories. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, uh, he uh, plays uh, one of three children to an aging, narcissistic artist played by um, Dustin Hoffman. And um, it's a Noah Baumbach movie, so, of course, it's, like, very emo. But um, he is very it's like has a pretty he has a few moments of like freaking out and yelling in that one but otherwise is pretty subdued in that and I think um shows like it seems like this um, I don't know where I'm going with that that was a good movie though you should see it your point is he can act. Yeah, my point is he can act, and that movie was like an emotional bazooka went right through me, which I was not expecting.
0: Uh, I also watched him on SNL. Yeah, how was that? Fine. I mean, I he uh, you know, fine. He. I think the most interesting, well, two interesting parts. He his opening monologue was him singing a song about how he got fired from saturday night live which i didn't remember mm. um and that's why he's i'm guessing that's why he's never hosted it before until now oh. because he's oh. a huge star and this is the first time he's hosted it since he was on it yeah which that was like in 1995 or something yeah did you get fired he get fired for something in particular no, he's never said, like no one's ever given a reason, but him and Chris Farley both got fired that oh, wow. same summer. Um That's and surprising. then what?
1: That's surprising. I thought that they were like huge it, draws.
0: I I mean like yes and no, like it kind of like like right after that on SNL is when like Will Ferrell mm. and like Harry O'Terry and like that whole new um mm-hmm. round of comedians that were like really really popular came in yeah. so it's like they kind of got rid of like and they got rid of i think chris rock left at that time too they kind of just like did a big shuffle around that time mm-hmm. um you know and then ev- but everyone who got fired then just went on to become like a giant movie star like um but so then at the end of the episode he sang a song about chris farley i was just like bawling <laughs> it was it was they were friends <laughs> and it was very sweet and really oh. sad um and also really strange to see these photos of chris farley um next to adam sandler now and it's like holy shit like they were young yeah chris farley was young and to see how now that adam sandler has aged and it's like you i just didn't never get to thought about it before yeah it was really sweet so sad yeah He did a very, you know how they kind of, like, at the end of the show, they just put the weird sketches? (laughs) He did one of those with, um, Kirsten Wig was there. And, um, Kate McKinnon. Um, that was, like, kind of weird and gross in a fun way. Uh, he did, he did an opera man on Weekend Update. Interesting. Uh, but besides that, like, nothing. Oh, I sent you a photo of the one. They did one that was, like, a Sandler family reunion. Huh. And it was just, like, all of his family members going, like, hey, like, you made your characters after us. And it's just, like, they're all of his characters. <laughs> That's why Leslie Jones was dressed up like Chubbs. Gotcha.
1: That's really funny.
0: Yeah, that one was cute.
1: But, like, pretty forgettable
0: besides that. Yeah. he he seems i don't know he strikes me as someone who would be like legitimately a really nice person in real life Mm -hmm. and to watch him on snl he looks like tired or like bored and also like genuinely (laughs) like has a lot of genuine gratitude at the same time yeah it's it's
1: interesting i don't know that's interesting I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't be tired by the time you actually, like, get to the actual live show. The whole thing yeah. sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just looking back at some of the trivia notes that I had pulled for Punch Drunk Love Um, at 95 minutes it is the shortest film that Paul Thomas Anderson has written and directed which is funny because at like the halfway point I got up to go to the bathroom and was like oh god how much longer and saw that I was at the halfway point and felt very relieved but then also Mm -hmm. that I was like this is really this is only an hour and a half my god Um, because when I went to see There Will Be Blood in the movie theater with the person I was dating at the time uh they turned to me at the halfway point and And they had seen the movie like several times already turned to me at the halfway point and were like how do you like it and I was like yeah I mean it's fine it's great whatever and they were like yeah yeah this is the halfway point I was like no because that movie is so long and I thought it was almost over (laughs) (laughs) so that happens to me a lot when I'm watching Paul Thomas Anderson movies did you
0: ever hear Paul F. Tompkins tell the story about doing the table read for Magnolia? <laughs> no. He was meant to be in that. Maybe he... he. I think maybe he was in it, but they cut him out. It was, like, you know, a really small part, which is why he's in There Will Be Blood. Because okay. Paul Thomas Anderson was like, oh, sorry, I cut you out of that one. Do you want to be in the other one? <laughs> so he tells this whole story about, like, he gets this giant script, and then, like doesn't really prepare like at all and he's like doesn't know what parts he's reading and then he's sitting at a table next to tom cruise like it's it's um it's fun it's on one of his comedy albums
1: yeah Uh, paul thomas anderson refers to this film as an art house adam sandler film so maybe that's why it feels like he's just doing the same but the same thing it's just arty um Paul Thomas Anderson actually now like does his own cinematography. Like he he works with like a lighting consultant, I think. But he doesn't. He no longer uses a director of photography. But the person that uh, was the director for, director of photography on this, Robert L. Elswit, used a special kind of film stock that allowed him to shoot mostly in underexposed light, which is why this movie looks so like dark and weird and had so really many dark. like weird lens flares and stuff yeah
0: i watched it i have a projector but i don't have blackout curtains so i watched it with my projector but like when yeah like when those dark scenes happen i couldn't see it
1: Mm-mm.
0: why did they do those like um those like colors
1: Oh, those were just like interstitial video art by some other artist. I don't know why they used that. Um,
0: sometimes it made sense. Like sometimes it was like they were like
1: sensual. It, yeah, it like, like had like would... a sensual kind of feeling to it, and then other times it was just like mm, so we didn't know how to transition scenes.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about is that Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this, mm-hmm. and he's
1: very good in it. Yeah, he's fine. I don't know. I. Don't I, I hate his character? <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. <laughs> he
0: was the only one. He was the only one who played a character that I didn't. That didn't make me want to crawl out of my skin, though. Oh, interesting.
1: Because <laughs> I, I also feel skin crawly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that character was actually based on like a real mattress salesman, and apparently they shot. Like a whole commercial for his mattress sales business that didn't wind up in the final cut, but apparently is on the special features. This is the only Adam Sandler film released as part of the Criterion Collection. By the way, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yo. Side
0: note. I have the criterion channel right now mm-hmm. because you can do a free trial and i tried to watch Eraserhead head the other night with my projector and it wouldn't let me why it can detect it can detect if you're watching on a device that isn't it's like an anti-piracy thing oh yeah like it just won't work with some devices so i can't project criterion channel movies and it sucks
1: that really does suck Imagine if it wasn't anti-piracy and they were just like, "No, um, we just don't think that the resolution's going to be good enough."
0: Oh my god, they would be very disappointed <laughs> in it. <laughs> so that was disappointing to find out.
1: Yeah, I have a huge Eraserhead box set that I like inherited from somebody who was getting rid of a lot of their physical media, and I've never opened it cuz I'm terrified of that movie. I saw it once he's... in art school and was like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, it's like really,
0: like talk about like crawling out crawling of your skin. Crawling out of your skin,
1: yeah. Uh, I th- learned after the fact that he made that movie about, actually about living in Philadelphia, like about how he felt when he was living there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah it's, I also doesn't... live there and it's terrible.
0: Yeah, he doesn't really talk about, like why he does what he does but like i think that's one that everyone can agree on is like that movie was largely influenced by Philadelphia yeah and also by him uh he was about to become a father mhm
1: which is very very evident in that story
0: <laughs> <line>. <laughs> i read um what was i read his um book catching the big fish which is like barely a book like some of there's literally a chapter that's one sentence long um of course there is yeah because it's Stephen Lynch but like he talked about making a racer head in it um and he just he he had no money no anything and, like, he would just be, like, you know, I would go work and make as much money as I could. And then we would, like, just scrounge together whatever we could and shoot, like, if one scene, one shot. Like, he would just, like, do whatever he had to. It took them, like, years to make mm-hmm. it. Um, but it was just, um, it was nice to hear him talk about, like, the determination that it took. And he just, like, held on to that dream and did it.
1: And he did it. Yeah. That's really crazy. I read that Paul Thomas Anderson went to NYU for like two days and he was in a film class and one of the professors were like, if you're here because you want to make a movie like Terminator 2, that you could just leave right now. So he did. <laughs> which is interesting because, because none of his movies terminator are like 2. terminator 2 <laughs> um but i agree with him i think the terminator 2 is an incredible work of art well i don't know if he actually believes that i do um but also that like in another class he turned in a paper that was just like I don't know maybe a paper or a script or whatever that an assignment that was just a plagiarism of something that David Mamet had written just to like see if they would notice and he got a C on it <laughs> so he was like alright I clearly don't need these chuckleheads and so it was early enough in the semester that he was able to get the money back and then he like went and made his first movie instead which I think is cool and probably smart and also seems to have worked out well for him
0: yeah I think he's doing okay yeah Is that it for Adam Sandler? Is it the time where we say the other things that we watched? Yeah, I guess so. Um. Because after I watched The Wedding Singer last night, I watched the HBO documentary about, uh, uh, you know, that guy who touched all the little girls. Oh. Larry the, Nasser. The,
1: yeah, the Oh my god, why guy. couldn't I remember that? That's bad. Um, no. He doesn't deserve to be having, being remembered you know, by name.
0: Um, At the Heart of Gold, it's called. Um, and it was made by um, David Carr's daughter. Oh, yeah. Something else that I was like, oh, yeah. that Oh, she made the one um, Mommy Dead and Dearest. She made that, oh, too. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, I, I just, she was just done Fresh Air the other day. I heard the oh, okay. interview
0: with her. Um, so, if you don't know anything about what happened in USA Gymnastics in the last couple of years. Bless um, your heart. <laughs> no, it don't is bless your heart. Grim. Go Google it right now. It's really important. Yeah, you should know, but it's awful. Um, basically, gymnastics became a sport where little girls um, didn't, it, it was like a perfect storm of little girls having a dream, not having a voice, not being taken care of. And this man, who was the USA Gymnastics Olympic doctor, um, was uh, let to be alone with them and do medical treatments on them where he was molesting.
1: like Alleged medical hundreds, treatments that are not medical treatments. Yeah.
0: Hundreds of girls and that's just the ones they were all underage i mean Mm -hmm. not all of them a lot of them were underage Mm -hmm. for years for like at least 20 years and he is also working for michigan state university Mm -hmm.
1: um in the athletic programs there and And there were many complaints about mm -hmm. him over the years and they just
0: like 100 percent turned a blind eye to it um, well, they
1: conducted a couple of investigations, I think, and then were they were bullshit. like, well, he says it's medical, so.
0: They, well, I so, so yeah, the documentary goes into some of the details of that and like how that happened. And it's, you know, it was just basically a bunch of adults not protecting children. They were not mm-hmm. listening to children and they weren't protecting them. Um, who knows why? I'm sure there's more than one reason, but it's, it was disgusting and just like everybody needs to see it because it's i can't like yes it's something that's close to my heart because that's my sport mm-hmm. um but even just aside from that like just the institutionalized like mm. molestation of girls yeah um because so many people were compliant with what he did mm-hmm. um and just totally turned a blind eye to it and let it happen and um
1: and this is one example of one person in one sport um and it's something that like we like to think doesn't doesn't happen and would like would never happen to our kids or would never happen to ourselves or like whatever but like like this like he's one person in gymnastics and there have been many people in gymnastics that we, like that we know of, you know, and the same is true in so many other sports, and not just in sports, in the arts, in, like, any situations that set up these kind of, like, perfect storm circumstances to just facilitate abuse. I mean, look at the Catholic Church. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, like, this shit was, does happen, so, and, like, people need to stop pretending it doesn't. Like,
0: I was thinking of... Um... This, like, made me think about something that I just never really thought about before, which is that basically, like, USA Gymnastics uses these women to make a shit ton of money every four years, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. they're not even, like, most of them are they're girls. They're They're not yeah. even women. They are underage girls. And, like, besides, even besides the, like, sexual abuse, like, they are destroying their bodies to mm-hmm. do this. And I don't think people really think about that. Um, I think they're starting
1: to more like after learning about like what concussions might do to brains and stuff like that
0: there's a movement in gymnastics now that is small but definitely growing to really change the way um, gymnasts train Um, and that's great it's really Mm -hmm. different from like how it was when I grew up but like yeah just like the exploitation of these women and their bodies for mm-hmm. money every four years because people love watching gymnastics at the olympics and because we win we're yeah. best in the world nobody's gonna beat us like there, no one else is even close anymore
1: um well that that was true but there's a whole pipeline that kind of got like exploded with all of this didn't it like uh... it's gonna like take a while to kind of like Yes and
0: yes and no like USA Gymnastics is a shit show but as far as like the gymnasts that are competing for us like yes like there was a shake up for them but like it's not it hasn't affected the quality of their gymnastics it hasn't affected like Simone yeah. Biles is still here she's gonna win stuff like like the, the, the girls and women who are still doing this who are still competing at a really really high level like they Are doing it because they love the sport. Like it's it's not going to be that easy. You can't get rid of them. You know. Like think about like if you think about what it takes to make a gymnast. It's like those even the little girls are so strong mentally Mm -hmm. because you can't be anything else to do to do it. You just can't be. And so yeah, I mean if you if you look at who's still competing and who's still winning, like it's still us. Um, Yeah. Which is, Which I mean,
1: is... so wild that, that that the team has been that good when this was literally happening at the Olympics. Like Larry Nasser was abusing was happening
0: at the Olympics. Ally
1: Raceman and um, Gabby Douglas and like they were experiencing this abuse Mickey literally O'Neal. at the Olympics, and then they won a fucking gold medal. Like yeah. that is. But that's but that like like
0: it's it's fucked up. But like that's like. That that they were able to do that. Yeah, that's the kind of brain that you have to have to be that high level an athlete, to be that yeah. high level a gymnast, to be able to comp- compartmentalize um, that kind that. of being able to like switch feelings on and off, mm-hmm. and like switch fears on and off. Yeah, like I well, I hate that that's true, but it's like you yeah. Know,
1: part well, of I was like really is, overcome like with emotion watching. Um, like the women gathered victim impact statements oh my after God, his trial yeah. um I, I like especially for uh the ones that have had media training like Allie Raceman I was like oh holy shit she's she's like a robot that they have developed and trained to destroy them mm-hmm. kind of like the the media training that she's had like all of the the mental stuff that goes along with being a gymnast of like facing your fears and like, you know, stay, like sticking, staying the course and like, you know, working towards a goal, like all of that, like created these like monsters that are, that are here to take down USA Gymnastics. And I think that's really rad. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And the woman who started it all, whose name I can never remember no, Rachel. No, me neither. I feel so bad. Her name, I always want to call her Rachel Dolezal, who is the nope, woman nope, who nope, pretended nope. she was black. I yeah, no that it's different person, But her name is also Rachel, and her last name starts with a D, and it's a complicated last name, so I can never remember it, and I always feel so bad. She's incredible. She, like, when this started to happen to her, um when she was younger she's rachel to docu- den she- hollander thank you <laughs> it's a see, last name no one's ever heard before um she started to document it mm-hmm. um so, so she when knew something she- was wrong yeah so when she like this this didn't even start because of larry nasser it started because the indianapolis star newspaper ran a different article about like another kind of sex Correct. abuse in gymnastics and she called them, and she was like, "Hey, this happened to me. I want to call some people out um and she had written things down like she she had her shit straight, like she's really incredible, yeah, not that is. you're not incredible if you like didn't have your shit straight, but just like right. that she did it really systematically mm-hmm. just and like, then I'm so impressed. and then she
1: fucking went to law school also, yeah, which is amazing, um." All of those women, whether they came forward or not, are amazing, and uh, I'm so grateful that they they did before. Yeah,
0: in the '60s, gymnastics was a women's sport, not a little girl sport. Mm. And the Corolies are the ones who Mm. changed that. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah, um, yeah, they They were Romanian. Yeah, they were Romanian, but then they came here and they were the biggest things they were the biggest things in usa gymnastics for 30 years yeah and they facilitated
1: the abuse
0: yeah like if you wanted to go to the olympics that's who you went and trained with and actually i'm like halfway through dominique musciano's book now which is really interesting because she trained with them and will openly speak out against them
1: Um, yeah i read like a really long investigative piece about them like last year the year before that was really interesting um, and like just all of the the shit that they've facilitated and covered up over the years is mm-hmm. pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I never thought about that part before. Where it's like, oh yeah, it wasn't always little girls because the men, like if you look at men's gymnastics, those mm-hmm. are all like men. They're not yeah. underage. They're not boys. I mean,
1: and it's it's true of figure skating too. Mm-hmm. And it's these sports that like for women to get the advantage because of the the way that like it's part of how they've set up scoring now it's part of like yeah. you know the the uh advantages that advantages and disadvantages that men and women have like make the sports different for the two genders and so for women it's about being tiny and being fast and being able to fly as far as you can basically um and that's true of figure skating also and so now it's like the the somehow i
0: have one argument against that for female
1: gymnasts what is that
0: um if you watch like the chinese gymnasts who are particularly small because they cheat and lie about their age yeah um they cannot push the vaulting board, like the springboard. Mm. They can't push it hard enough to vault as well as Simone Biles does because it's yeah. too small.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Simone Biles, like, she's short, but she's, she's like, built dense. as hell, <laughs> you know? So, like, like she's a, a special case and uh, clearly has some uh, genetic advantages. Um, she
0: really does. Look how long her arms are.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like... For, for the most part, generally speaking, like, the tinier you are in the less you weigh, the higher you'll fly. And so, um, like, in figure skating, like, the top three spots are always going to these, like, 13-year-old Russian girls who can do a, you know, quad, can do all these quad jumps and uh, quintuple jumps and whatever. And, like, men peak way later and are able to do those kinds of jumps way later after they put on a bunch of muscle, you know? So like men have such longer careers than women are. It should be, that
0: should be true for women also, like Mm -hmm. in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, because women's bodies are different than men's bodies because of boobs and hips. Um, And
1: also uh, women experience a like exponentially higher injury rate, uh, we don't know why, because no one studied it. But uh, the the what research does exist indicates that it might be hormonal? Question mark But yeah. again, we don't know because nobody no, studied it. But like, like,
0: if you look at why we're better than the Russians, it's because we can tumble and vault, and the Russians can't because they're all skinny and mm-hmm. small, and you just can't get that. The kind of power that you now need for the difficulty in gymnastics, you can't yeah. get that kind of power if you're tiny, yeah, and you can see that's why that's why we win now and they don't interesting, so i don't know what that says about how it should be or how
1: it'll change, but <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else that was of note? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, On a very, 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 very different note, I watched Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. (laughs) That's the
0: second one? Yeah. It's so
1: good. Those movies are absolutely bonkers. I don't understand how or why they exist, but I am so glad that they do. I just was like weeping and laughing and crying the whole time. It was great shares in it she looks amazing uh there's so much good dancing there's like an armada of dancing people like a literal armada several boats full of dancing (laughs) people who are dancing i think they're dancing to probably dancing queen maybe sos who cares it's a great abba song um they like show up to the party all dancing it's great loved it so much um
0: Do you think those movies are just, like, a fun throwback to, like, when movies were musicals, when they (laughs) didn't know what movies were going to be yet?
1: Uh, I've never seen
0: them, but that's, like, my fun take on it.
1: I mean, all movies that are musicals are throwbacks to movies that were musicals before.
0: No, because there aren't that many movies that are musicals anymore, like, besides kids movies, and that's not the same.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just I think people will always continue to try to make musicals and some will fail and some will succeed. And I think that these are just insane enough to really, really, really work. And it also helps that they're songs that are incredible. And they're also songs that have like embedded themselves in our consciousness already. So it's like, oh, they're singing a song I know, (laughs) you know, like uh, in the second one. Uh, Cher sings the song Fernando, which is an ABBA song that I love so much because as a little kid, I just found it hilarious. I don't know why, just the way they say Fernando. <laughs> um, and when she started singing that, I just burst into tears. I was crying so hard. Just, ugh, they're wonderful. They're like, just like junk. Like, I want to say junk food, but that's the wrong word for it because it's like, Junk food that's good for you, mm-hmm. you know, just totally good for your heart and your soul and your brain because you don't have to think that hard. Um, this one features uh, like flashbacks to when the characters were younger in the 70s, and the, the woman that plays the Meryl Streep character I don't know what her name is, hang on, because she's an amazing movie star. And I can't wait to see her do other things. Um, Lily James. I think she might be British. But um, I look forward to, to seeing more stuff from her. Because she's like, I think, a Julia Roberts level movie star. Um, I, I watched... feel
0: like Joey would know who she is and have like 800 things to
1: say about her. <laughs> yeah, maybe probably. I made that up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um the Wicker Man. Oh, no, he would because she was in Baby Driver. Oh, okay. There you go. I watched The Wicker Man, the one with Nicolas Cage, which oh, is I've wonderful. i been meaning to watch that for years. I really enjoy it. I like it a lot. Except... He punches a bunch of women in the face. Other than that... Why? Other than that, it's great. Um, You know, he thinks that his child is in danger. So... I don't know. Anyway, um, oh, I watched Half Baked. I rewatched Half Baked, which Is was it good? not really. <laughs> no, not really, so. unfortunately. Like, there were still some jokes that I laughed really hard at. Um, I think visually it's great. Uh, there's definitely a lot of surrealism in that, but not too good. Um, Related,
0: mm-hmm. have you watched or listened to Neil Brennan's Three Mics?
1: I have not. Oh, you should. That's the one where he has three microphones, right? Yes. Hmm. Um, he talks a little bit about like
0: his relationship with Dave Chappelle and like having written that movie and just stuff. It's interesting. He talks a lot about mental illness and and he's also very funny. Okay, I might check it out.
1: Uh, something that wasn't very funny that I watched was a romantic comedy called Man Up from 2015 um, starring Lake Bell who I love I love so her much. too but
0: she's not in anything good I know it's, it's so
1: bad except for in a world I mean but that was her movie that she like yeah, wrote and directed
0: but also like it was okay it oh I
1: like that a lot I okay I think she's great in it um, it's like her and Simon Pegg and Simon Pegg is the manic Pixie dream girl and it just <laughs> did not work for me at all. Um, I also saw the new Suspiria, which uh was pretty cool on its own. Not the remake that I wanted to see, but like, I'll take it. There's more yeah. dancing in that in this one, so that was like cool. It's also an hour longer than the original.
0: I don't need that.
1: Yeah, there's also a lot of nonsensical stuff happening in it that doesn't really ever add up, it makes sense, but it's fine. Um, And I also finally saw Book Club, that movie, with Jane Fonda and um, all the other ladies whose names I can't remember at the moment. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, Diane Keaton and Uh, Candace Bergen and Mary Steenburgen. And they're a book club who have been meeting for the last, like, 40 years. And they started with Erica Jong's Fear of Flying, which was, like, an iconic feminist text about uh, sex and sexuality. I used to teach
0: gymnastics to her granddaughter.
1: Oh, cool. Um, And now it's, you know, present day. They're all much older in their 70s and 80s. And now they're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, which (laughs) I was kind of like, oh, God, of all the books, why did they have to read that one? But I thought it was interesting that they, like, connected that with Fear of Flying, although they could have done more Mm -hmm. connecting, certainly. Um, All of the, also Alicia Silverstone is in it! (laughs) She plays one of Diane Keaton's daughters. Um, All of the women in this movie deserve so much better. It's not that great, but I also, like, laughed and cried a lot. So, it was uh, it was fine. It was enjoyable. I think I feel like it's a good movie to watch on a plane. Mm-hmm. I also watched all of uh Tuca and Birdie on Netflix. I'm excited yeah, to watch that one. Straight through, already one and a half times. <laughs> I really love it. It's wonderful. It's so weird and also like the cartoon I've been waiting for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um and
0: much of my time has been taken up by trying to make make my way through comedy bang bangs ten hour episode. Oh yeah. Which is like every minute of it so far is worth it. Yeah. It's just very long.
1: Yeah. Um do you have anything else to add? No nope cool then that does it for our episode of Wistful Thinking Uh, we haven't chosen a theme for next month yet Mm -mm. so that'll be a surprise Um, but you can go back and listen to our other Adam Sandler episode about Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison or any of our other episodes about all sorts of stuff Or our episodes of our spinoff podcast. What am I chewing? Uh, And uh, we'll talk to you. Next time. Bye. Bye.